The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, you want to do the pop quiz first? We gotta ask this. Okay, this is uh, this is unrelated to our list here. Yeah. But uh, here's the here's the pop quiz. Phil, your son has been racking his brain with this for the last hour since we asked him. Well, that uh, won't take long to rack that brain. <laughs> Damn! Merry Christmas, Dad. Thank you so much. He never misses an opportunity. No, he does not. It's and uh, I'll be seeing him uh, tomorrow on Christmas Eve. That'll be good. Feel? How's he feeling? He's doing he good. Under, yeah. He was under the weather. Yeah, he seems okay. He was doing the show yesterday on CBS, so he's fine. He's good. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. He's you got enough cotton. No, he works. Very... He works two days a week. Relax, okay? <laughs> Relax. He's no, but good. He was like bedridden and uh, having yes, some uh, yes, vomiting yes. issues. Vomiting well. issues. Very, yes, he you, was. You both were very open with that. Yeah, yeah, yep. He was puking his brains out. But hello, everyone. Hello. It's Monday, December. 23rd week 16 is in the books Chris oh. Sims Ahmed Farid oh, just, and you may notice yeah you may not that oh, we yeah. have a new desk here we're big time I don't know if you've kind of heard kind of a big deal around here yeah kind of a big deal can you please hide your energy cancer Oops, drink sorry put it in there a little farther okay cover I'm there trying to not promote cancer on this podcast the problem okay? is if I put it too close and to my you feet, spilt it already and it smells like it I did and it's so, a party foul I sopped up most of it with party towels. sopped up most of it uh, okay I, I like the desk I'm you a do fan like the desk what Good. I think they have the open concept yeah right? so you get can to show our sneakers the, ten- the tennis shoes here yeah, right we did just touch left Feet, which you can't see, thankfully, which is why they put the thing in the it's middle. It's my right foot, though, just so you know. Oh, okay, your yeah, right foot. Right, and right. then uh, we also have the unbutton um, thing in the front. But I hear in the near future yes. we're getting something that's more three-dimensional. Oh, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. I'm so, excited, though. I like this. It feels cool. more comfortable. I feel better. We only got winners at the desk. Oh, nope, sorry. Dak Prescott's on there and Odell's on there. So that Ouch. does not mean we only have winners on the desk. We have some losers Along with myself up there. Uh, Did yeah. you just put yourself in the I'm in the loser category? I'm in the loser category. <laughs> Sorry, I am. Yep. Uh, but we got a good one today. We're going to ask me anything, yeah. okay? No, no real deep dives. The only film that I really watched is Cowboys-Eagles. And I didn't, like, get into every nitty-gritty detail but have a very good feel of the game regardless. Everything else, uh, we'll kind of hit over, hit questions, Go through the league, do that. We got our big Verizon spot that we're going to hit on a yeah. big play from this past weekend in the Rams 49ers. All of that good stuff. Uh, but let's get this party started. So it's a really a focus, and we took all your questions, and we really like when we do that because they're normally good questions and Whoa. stuff that we haven't thought of. I didn't realize. Yeah, we got three pages. You just here. saw the three pages. I yeah, did. We got I didn't realize like 25 that. 25 questions, mostly focusing on teams that are in the playoffs, yeah. in, the, in the mix okay. here. And I try lot. won't be long. I know I could be long-winded. And uh, I don't think that's. Uh, well, we're fine. We'll, all right. We'll get half. Way through, and then we'll see. What time do we start? Right around twelve twenty. Okay, yep. so we'll 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 be fine. Here. Okay, good. We'll be uh, fine. So here. let's dive right into it. Yeah. The first one, we're going to talk Cowboys and uh, and Eagles here. This one comes from Smiling Mike PB. Yeah. He 
He says, what's wrong with the Cowboys? Can coaching and play calling cause drop passes or missed tackles? Every player on that roster is a high-paid professional. Aren't they that talented? I really don't get. Please help me understand. Thanks. Sorry for my poor English. I'm German. Oh, don't worry. We don't really speak English that well here in this country. That's what I was saying. That's our number one. One of us. (laughs) Yep, that's our number one language, and we're kind of iffy on it. So don't worry. Uh, Very good question. And I think to just give a broad stroke of that game in general, all right, the players of the Cowboys definitely let them down. No doubt about it. Dak Prescott was off. There's drop passes by Gallup, drop passes by Amari Cooper, drop passes by Jason Witten. Um, The defense had a chance to make a play here and there, intercept the ball. They drop it. So, you know, if you're just going to blame players, yes. Do they deserve some of it? Certainly. Dak Prescott's shoulder – I do think it was an issue as well. Uh, I felt like he was throwing the ball a little different, like afraid to let it go a little bit when I watched the film, mm-hmm. almost like he was afraid to get it, let it really torque, kind of kept it tight uh, to where, yeah, it led to some errant throws, whether it was in the ground, high, whatever it may be. He did not play great. There's no, there's no other way to say that. But at the end of the day. He threw it 44 times. Yes. So if there was an issue, you'd almost think they would try to, you would line, think uh, the run game. A you bit would more. think, yeah. But you know, here's mistake. the difference, and this is where we get a like, like, uh, at smiling uh, dot Mike dot PB. <laughs> yeah. This is where this is the issue, you know. And this is my issue with the Cowboys in general. Smiling Mike is that they don't have. You know, game plan specific defense. You've heard me say that a lot. You know, Jim Schwartz was doing crazy stuff to the Cowboys yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not always, not every play, but on a third down or a first down, here was something different. You don't know what we're going to be in. So you have no tell or no feel for what we're doing on the defensive side of the ball. And then the big thing to me, yeah, and the Cowboys on defense, it's the same two or three defenses the whole game. I've been saying that all year. It doesn't change. And that allows game planning and ways to attack them uh, you know, some some easiness there, too, to go, oh, okay, I know they're going to be in this or that, and the quarterback can walk up to the line of scrimmage and feel always comfortable that way. All these things I've been preaching on the podcast. But my biggest thing, too, with the game yesterday would be the Cowboys' offense. Like, what were the Cowboys trying to get accomplished? Like, I could watch the Eagles on offense on the first two drives of the game mm-hmm. and go, I know what they're trying to do. They're going in two tight end sets. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to run some play action off of it. You know, they're going to have a few drop back like six and seven yard throws just to kind of stay ahead of the chains. That was their game plan. That was it all day. You know, there was a few third downs. Okay, they got into three wide receiver sets. But for the most part of the day, they were going to keep Ertz and Goddard on the field, okay, with the two receivers and the running back. And if they didn't do that, it was going to be, you know, tight end, two receivers with the two running backs, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. But they had a plan of attack to work on. And what that does for everybody out there is like, okay, now you're two tight ends, two receivers. You could start to get in certain formations. Oh, this is how they're going to play us today. Okay, well, we know the Cowboys are going to only play this coverage or that coverage. So now let's come up with some creative ways uh, that we might like to game plan against this or that coverage, along with some of our staples within our offense that we go, okay, yeah, we run these every week, but this is good versus coverage and what they do this week in this specific game plan. So that's the issue. So the players, did they let them down? Yes. But my big issue with the Cowboys is the schematics of how they coach never gives their players much of an advantage. You, you've heard me say that. It's just too much of that. Did it's, we heap too much praise on to Kellen Moore too early? 
But probably we were giving him a lot when the 3-0 start. Yeah, well, it, it, the it, offense was high-flying. I mean, the offense definitely. for most of the year has rated number one. It's yards. the number one offense in football right, right now. But there's some, but what it tells you is there's something wrong there, too. You know, the points don't always match the, out, the yardage output. So there, there's something there within the game plan, punching it in the end zone, how to manage certain games. That's not translating to wins. And that's happening on both sides of the ball. And to me, yesterday was one of those things where, like I said, the Eagles came out and had a plan and this is what we're going to do and we're going to attack it and we're going to stay with it and we're going to be patient with it and then the Cowboys just come out going let's just run our plays and then we'll see what works and then if that works we'll try to stick with it and nothing works and then it's just oh we're in the shotgun oh we're underneath the center we're underneath the center we ran for eight yards oh we're right back to the shotgun why would we keep doing that that was too easy that's eight yards we're cool we're Dallas let's get in the shotgun oh yeah now you're punting I mean that's Dallas is frustrating. I don't know what other way to say it. What do you think of their usage of uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 13 carries in this game? Not enough. He, he's had some huge games this year where yeah. they have relied on him, but then there were also some times in this game against Philadelphia where he was off the field in some yeah. crucial spots. Yeah, well, I, okay, so that's another spot that pisses me off. Okay, so there they are, the Cowboys playing underwhelming football. They're down 10-6. They get the ball to start the second half. They drive down the field. Ezekiel Elliott has two really good runs, and I'm going, okay, here we go. Let's stick with this because when they got in the I formation and ran the ball downhill, there was a little success there. But they never really tie it together or stay patient with it and keep doing it. So he does that. He rips off like a run for 10 and a run for 8. On the, the first run, Fletcher Cox gets hurt. So they have an injury timeout. Then he has a run on the second down. He takes a big hit. Okay, then, or no, he gets, that was, so he got a first down, Fletcher Cox got hurt, excuse me. They have a little injury timeout. Yeah. He next run, he gets eight yards. He comes out of the game, he takes a big hit. Okay, second down goes for nothing. Third down, now is the, okay, we, mo- we, we got uh, Dak Prescott underneath the center and they run an option to the left and pitch it to Tony Pollard. He fumbles. You know, to me, again, that just goes into like the category of, uh, no, it's the biggest play of the season. Like, you, you, he's your number one paid player on your team. He has to be in the game. And that was a huge moment of the game because they're in field goal range nonetheless. They have a little momentum with how they went into halftime. They cut that to 10-9. to 9. Who knows what happens? But instead, nothing happens, and it kind of becomes a stalemate and everything like that. So, to me, yes, Ezekiel, it hasn't been as good. Dak Prescott wasn't good yesterday. Receivers let them down. All those things, we can talk about it all. Uh, but I still think it goes back to the tying of the game plan together. They do nothing to hang your hat on. They never do anything to you go – whoa, when they get in this formation, they're killing us. We have to adjust how we're playing. And that's what good offenses do. You don't see, like, Tom Brady in New England getting the fullback, like, you know, I formation and run for 10 yards and then go, let's not run that for 10 plays. Right. They go, let's do it again. Let's do something off it. Oh, now they're starting to force that. We're starting to force their hand into a defense they don't want to play. Now's the play action. There's none of that in Dallas. It's almost like they have a fetish with variety. Variety. They they don't want to get stuck. I call it a Rolodex. It's a Rolodex. It's just like, oh, I like this play during the week. Let's call it. Oh, Oh, I like this one, too, during the week. Okay, that's great. But... Tying plays together are what master offensive coordinators do. Sean Payton, Shanahan, McDaniels, they have certain formations and plays that start off looking the same, that are different or have tweaks and whatever it may be, and they screw a defense over. 
Yeah. All right. That's it, all I got to say about that. And that was a lot. Okay. But, and Amari Cooper got 12 targets, just four catches. He's had some weird games where he just doesn't. Yeah. He's not healthy all the way. Up. Yeah. You think right. that's part of it? I do think that's him. part of it. I think he's battling some injuries, definitely. Uh, but yeah, just a, a, a bad day by the Dallas Cowboys. And then, like I said, when the coaching staff doesn't give them a schematical advantage, you know, it's it's an underwhelming performance. So then Jay Amunde. Yeah. Asks you. You have three decisions to fix the Cowboys. Yeah. What do you do? Well, I mean, you're... All you're, three. Well, first yeah. thing you do to fix... It's like, I, first thing you do to fix the Cowboys, what would it be? I'm firing the coaching staff. I mean, I am. Okay. It's run its course. I really like Jason Garrett. I do. I mean, anybody that knows me knows I do. I know him. Yes. You know, and it's not always easy for me to say these things. I say these things sometimes on air and on TV and on the podcast, hoping somebody will tell them, going, hey... You know, that asshole, Chris Sims, you know, he keeps saying, you know, you guys got to tie some things together in offense or change it up on defense a little bit. I, I really, that's why I say it sometimes, hoping that people will hear it. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's the first thing that has to be done is, yeah, an overall re, uh, over, overhaul of the whole coaching staff. It's, and it's feeling like it's a 95% chance that will happen. Are you getting that sense, too? Yes. I, I don't, Jerry's been reluctant up to this right. point. There's certainly been times in the past. I mean, oh, they yeah. haven't had a successful playoff run in a long, long, long time. There's been times that they could have moved on from Jason Garrett, yeah. but they haven't. No, they haven't. I think this is the year, though. I think he's realized this is the year. If they don't make the playoffs next week, he gets fired the next day. It'll be, it might be Sunday night when they land back in Dallas. It won't be long. If they do get in the playoffs – well, okay, of course, he's going to let it ride, and he's going to see. And if maybe Jason Garrett can get to the NFC Championship game, maybe he can save his job. Win a Super Bowl or get to the NFC Championship game or bust? I, yeah, NFC I think Garrett. it's NFC Championship game. And some people think that he thinks he needs to actually get to the Super Bowl, too. And so I feel like you think that one decision could fix a lot of Yeah, things. I don't have three decisions right now to talk about. Listen, there's not a lot on their roster well, they I need. I three. Uh, Fire the head coach, head offensive coordinator. Defense defense coordinator. Yes, right. Yeah. Sure, there you go. There Special you go. teams coordinator can stay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the offensive coordinator, too. Like, I have no problem with Kellen yeah. Moore, the plays, like you talked about earlier. The offense has gotten better. But to me, again, you got to have a theme or something to hang your head. What, what are the Dallas Cowboys great at? Well, what are they great at? You tell me. I mean, making because a lot, making a lot of money. Well, yeah, that's it, right. Because you, they have no theme to their offense. We just go, oh, but they got talent. But, like, what are they? They are a great running offense, a great passing offense? I don't know. They're just really good at all of it, I think. But nothing great. Certainly a weird team yeah. all, all throughout the year, which the Philadelphia Eagles have been a weird team, too, because yes, they're they a team have. we thought was going to be better. And their stretches that have been bad maybe haven't been as bad as we, we thought, and they're perhaps going to hit their stride once again when it matters the most. A question from Kevin One Kelly says, the Eagles are going to end up in the NFC Championship game, right? No. I mean, it does, it does feel like but they're the, scary. One, the one thing that we just all agree is not going to happen somehow is going to happen. Well, they're, they're just they're scary, and I, I understand what, like, uh, at Kevin One Kelly is thinking here because, yeah, I mean, Peterson has got a great way about him. He instills confidence in his team. Like our buddy says here, Peterson rolls the dice. Yeah, he's not afraid. Okay. I, I added that in there. Oh, okay. Right. All right, but he, he, he's not afraid. He'll roll the dice. Yeah. You know, the team believes in him. He believes in the team. He always says the right thing. Wentz is on fire. I mean, Wentz is carrying the team. I mean, there's no other way to say I'm, I'm, I'm glad for Carson Wentz right now because I feel like it has got a lot of the haters off of his back. Well, you, uh, you've you been saying that for a while. Yeah, too, he, well, because, he's, uh, he's the talented. quarterback, a lot of times you've said this, we want to point the blame at the quarterback when they're performing poorly and we want right. to give them too much praise when they're performing well. Yeah. You, for the past month, two months, have said, you know, Carson Wentz is not the problem. He there. is not the problem. Definitely not. And they have finally found the right formula through all the injuries and underwhelming people they have on the offensive side of the ball that go, okay, it's not beautiful, but 
but it works. We're going to use God, uh, Ertz and Goddard and Goddard and Ertz and Ertz and Goddard and then Sanders and Scott and Scott and Sanders, and that, that's all they do. And they're just finding a lot of different ways to throw the ball to those four guys, and then every now and then it's a change-up to one of the receivers, and that's all there is to it. But they're dangerous. They're you, scary. You host a playoff game. You're, uh-huh. you're a division winner if you, if you win in and, right. and Dallas. So if they both win out. Philadelphia is obviously moving on. There is a chance that the Cowboys could still make it if uh, they win the Eagles. If lose, they, but yeah. Chances are it looks like the Eagles are going to be hosting a, a playoff game. So you get one game at home. At home in the cold weather on the on the grass in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia is not a fast team. They're more predicated, I would say, on size. They're scary. Can they beat Seattle? Yeah. Yes. Can they beat Minnesota? They almost yeah. beat Seattle a few weeks ago at home. So, yeah, they can beat Seattle. Seattle threw a flea flicker for a touchdown. That was one of their really their only big play of the day. Yes, they can definitely do that. The big thing that the Eagles have for them, especially when it comes to a wild card matchup, too, is, you know, there, there's nobody that's just going to overpower them on either side of their offense or defensive line. So that's going to keep them in a lot of games. As long as Wentz continues to play the way he's doing and takes care of the ball and just makes that occasional big throw or big play, they're going to be annoying in the playoffs. Do I expect them to make a run? No, I don't this year because I think that there's just better teams than them this year in the NFC playoffs. Anything more you want to say about yeah, the Eagles or the Cowboys? Good. Okay, good. Christmas question. Whoa. This one's coming from Paulie Dobson. Does the Sims household open their presents on Christmas Eve? Or Christmas Day morning. Ooh, good question. Is that Paulie Depps? Is that a thing? Yeah, some families, families do do Christmas Eve. I've heard like one one present. That's kind of what that. we do. Okay, we do that. We're a one present on Christmas Eve. Like kids are getting ready to go to bed. They hung their stockings up. So how does that work? Here's one present. Do they pick the present or do you give them one? No, present? the wife usually picks it. Yeah, one that's you a know lower tier present. Right. You can't give them like the whole no. shebang on Christmas Eve, right? No, huh, yeah. So you got to pick that right one. That's okay. It's kind of exciting, but. We got four or five the next morning that are better for you. And how much Christmas shopping have you done yourself personally? Absolutely zero. You've done zero. Zero. Well, you're right in the middle of football season. Yeah, so well, it's a little tough. Yourself. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I can't do it all, okay? I can't do it. Can't pay for it. <laughs> can't shop for it. Can't do it all, okay? Yeah. yeah, sorry. My wife this year, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's been a crazy year, you know, yeah. moving here to Connecticut and all that stuff. But she's in the same boat where she has a list of five things. And she goes, I'll just go get it. I'll wrap it. And the kids will watch me open it. Yeah. And they'll be from you. Yeah. But it'll it, the 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 facade is there that we're uh, a family that does Christmas. The right <laughs> yeah. Way. Right. Right. Oh, well, my <laughs> wife kind of says the same thing too. She's like, oh, don't worry about buying me anything. I've already got myself this and this and that. So yeah. Uh, okay. Great. Yes. You got what? And yes. Okay. I won't buy you anything. And I was having this conversation with my wife too. Is that I, I feel like it's gotten different here over the last few years because if you want something now, it's so easy to you know order it on Amazon, go pick it up yourself. It feels like we don't wait for Christmas anymore no right well you're right and then the other thing is everything that we do at our household like my wife gets the alerts on the phone so I'm always like okay if I go buy her gifts yeah with the American Express she gets an alert to say like what's been charged there right away yeah like so I'm gonna be like oh oh, yeah well your husband has bought you something you're not gonna like yeah you're you're right (laughs) yes tell him to take it back right exactly right (laughs) that's I feel like that kind of ruins the surprise too all right let's go over to the 49ers now Yep. And this is our, our Verizon moment of the week. Yeah. Now we have the best of week 16 presented by Verizon, the network more people rely on. This was a really good game. 49ers looking good once again. That offense shows up in a big way in crucial moments. We've seen them have a lot of them at the end of a game. Definitely. Uh, they did it once again. This one comes from Lou49Bell. 
says, what happened on the second, third and 16 on the final drive of the 49ers game? How did Sanders get so open? Yeah, right. Uh, it's a great question. And you and I just watched this play, we right? Did. We watched it together. You want to describe I, it? Well, yeah. yeah. So, so basically, it's third and 16. And I think the first thing that needs to be noted, okay, is like Jimmy Garoppolo here again. We're questioned about Jimmy Garoppolo in the clutch. Can he carry them when they need it? I think he's answered that question now. Week yes. 16, he's not phased by these moments. He comes out firing. But, yes, it's third and 16. Two receivers to the left, two backs in the backfield. One of those backs is Kittle as a tight end, receiver to the right. And really, kind of a basic route combination that the 49ers do a lot is, like, the guy, the receiver on the right runs, like, a little outside curl route. Uh, then the guy running down the middle goes to, like, 17 yards and turns around because he's going to get the first down, right? And then the outside guy can sometimes run, like, a 20-yard out route. Well, here's a play where – the Rams rush five, and they're basically playing two-man, as you and I saw when we just watched the film back. Playing two-man, Jalen Ramsey is outside of Emmanuel Sanders, and he's comfortable there. He lets Emmanuel Sanders come off the ball, and he's going to trail Emmanuel Sanders because he knows he has a safety over the top. It almost appeared he didn't react to the snap. Like, you can see the snap has happened. He's still standing there. Yeah, there because are people he's, on, on Twitter right. that say that that's when your controller dies playing Madden. It's like you can't no, control your controller. He's totally comfortable. He's letting and the guy beat him down the field because he wants to trail him. And I want to go back one more picture there if we can. Because I think the thing to show there, too, the, the, the biggest thing, and I hope you're watching on YouTube, is when Emmanuel Sanders does come off the ball right away. Now, look at You can see 24, Taylor Rapp, right? Yep. He's their, or their second-round pick, I believe, out of out Washington. Washington, yep, the yep. rookie. He is going wide, right? It's two men. It's two deep safeties that are going to go you know, to the deep half of the field. But now as we get to the next picture, and now Emmanuel Sanders is a good 10 yards down the line of scrimmage, as you see here, Jalen Ramsey's right in his left pocket, Emmanuel yeah. Sanders. He's not far behind him. Not for long. No, not for long. And Taylor Rapp, as you see, was still running to the sidelines. And within doing that, who is he guarding way out there? Look at now this picture here. He's five yards from the sideline. Emmanuel Sanders acted like he was going to run like a deep out route and then kind of leaned his body out and bam, runs to the post, okay? And Jalen Ramsey, who's really playing for the out route or maybe an in cut for like an 18-yard throw or something like that, all of a sudden he realizes, whoa, this guy's going straight on the post route and my safety's not there. So he has to turn it on to try to catch up. But I think ultimately, hey, did Jalen Ramsey maybe trail a little too much behind? Sure, okay. But Taylor Rapp's the one to blame here. He ran the no man's land. I don't know why he aggressively ran so far to that sideline that opened up the middle of the field to, yeah, the 49ers had the right play, dialed up the right time. I'm sure Shanahan through the week saw that they do this at times. And I think Shanahan knew, okay, I'm going to run this play to the rookie side, not to Eric Weddle's side, because we saw on the other side, Ahmed, when we watched it, that Eric Weddle didn't go nearly as wide. Yeah. So if they ran the post to that side, he was going to run right into Eric Weddle. So Taylor Rapp just overplayed it. You saw there in the end, Ramsey and Rapp kind of yelling at it. Rapp didn't really fight back with the conversation. No. To me, which tells me he's going like, oh, yeah, man, I messed up. And Ramsey was really pissed off. So uh, I think I would bet on Jalen Ramsey being more right in that situation. I've never seen that coverage played that way. So that, to me, would either be a nuance they put in for the game yeah. or Taylor Rapp was just way too aggressive thinking they were going to run a certain route instead of, like, the old saying of do your job. 
Don't do too much. Don't overthink it. You're supposed to be here. Don't think, oh, they might go here, so I'm going to go there. No, yeah. that's not what it you It was do. almost like he was trying to anticipate. And like not, deep not, out route yeah, or something. Yeah. Exactly right. That was cool. Yeah. A huge play for the 49ers, a couple third and 16s. That was a big one. That was the best of Week 16 presented by Verizon. Good stuff. Good stuff. Way to go. And you did a good job of not uh, swearing during that, which Thank I feel you. like is they don't like that, so that was good. Good, because I sweared last it, week, I think. I did. Clean, and we had to, uh, yeah, yeah we had it out. Oh, okay, Apo- great. Send a letter. We sent a letter to them. Send a letter to them. Yep. Send them a gift basket. Uh, like, tough. I know. Nobody now. swears on Verizon phones. Let's stick with the, uh, the 49ers. This one comes from King Ferry 78 Yeah. So he said, why is your boy Kyle still trying to run the ball with Tevin Coleman? Let Brita... Mostert, or even Wilson run it. Coleman has been, dis- a bit, uh, been a disappointment in the second half of the season. So what do you think of that? It's, it does seem to be there, uh, like a rotation where sure. you're going to get the Breida three games and you're going to get Wilson for a couple games. Well, Breida's got injury now. issues. He does, but he did play on special teams, and yeah. so he's not totally out. Yeah. Uh, you, you do wonder if it's just the riding a hot hand with Mostert right now, but what, what do you think of that with Tevin Coleman and what you've seen from well, him? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't look at it that way. I don't. I think that Tevin Coleman has still got great value. You know, Tevin Coleman, I feel like, gets a little bit more of the meat and potatoes of the run, run plays sometimes, and he just sometimes you get a little unlucky to where, you know, okay, you're in the game and coach calls this run play, and then you know, a few the next drive later, the coach calls a really cool game plan design run play, and you just happen not to be in the game, yeah. and Mozart's in. You know, so I don't know. I, I don't have anything where I look at it and go, oh, Tevin Coleman's an issue with that team. He only team had or, five carries in the game. Mozart right, had 11. Had 11 right, yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, I mean, that was a pretty – you know, good athletic front seven that they played as far as the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And, yeah, they never got the run game going to the point uh, that we've seen them get it going during the season. We, we, they never got it, like, to, like, Gashville. Like, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's 10 yards, it's 5 yards, whatever. But, again, I have no problem with the way Tevin Coleman plays. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't look at it that way. Um, I just think they played a team that was desperate the other night and knows what they like to do, and there's a lot of familiarity with the coaching staffs, and they were honed in on some of the run game stuff. I do give the Rams credit. They're not going to make the playoffs no, this year. No, but they play you, hard, you right? You called that. You yeah. said that they were not going to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, but there were times where it looked like it really could go south for them. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, they are always uh, strong, did give up a ton of points in this game. But I give them credit. I think they finished the year pretty strong. I do, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy what they've done. You know, I mean, you, you go to the playoffs. Then the next year you go to the Super Bowl. You lose the Super Bowl. You know, hey, these, these are all other – the other 31 teams are all professionals and being paid a lot of money, too. They're not yeah. just going to go like, oh, gosh, it's the Rams. We can't play in this division. I mean, the Seahawks and 49ers are real. But it's the toughest division in football. And, yeah, the Rams with Gurley and that issue, golf having hot and cold moments – some injuries on the O-line, things like that. It just hasn't been their best year. This is the first year in the McVay area where I saw them get steamrolled twice, where I just never saw that before. With the Ravens game and the Cowboys last week, Mm. I never saw them get steamrolled like that. And that, to me, yeah, not only tweaks on your roster, but probably needs to be tweaks in your approach on the coaching side of the ball, too. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Beef up that offensive line in the offseason. Yeah. Come back, make another run. And I still think McVay has to do more on offense. You know, it, it's again, it's just the, the speed sweep, the 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receiver stuff all the time. People have caught on to what he's trying to do there. And uh, I do think there needs to be a little more versatility. One more 49ers question. Yeah. This one coming from Hall Club Lambs. What is wrong with the Niners D? Yeah. 
does tart play a bigger role than the media lets on? So that is, uh, they're talking about Jaquaski tart. Jaquaski tart, yes. Who there's been some controversy because it's spelled like Jaquiski. I know, I've said Jaquiski for the first two years in his league, but it's Jaquaski. You know what? We went deep diving to find the answer, and you're right. Yeah. Scott Kegley, who was working with the 49ers back in 2015, I don't know if he's still there or not. But says it's pronounced Jaquaski. Yes, Jaquaski tart. So yes. you were scolded when you I, said Jaquiski. I, I said Jaquiski a few times early on in his career, and I can't remember who told me. Somebody told me like it's Jaquaski, and I just it stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and but like why? It's not spelled like that at all. No. Well, I mean, who gets? He's spe- wrong. Spelling, I'm right. He's wrong. But spe- no. Spelling is uh, never. <laughs> you can never trust that with a name. But okay, here's Jaquaski the issue tart. with the 49ers D. First yep. off, Jaquaski tart is. Yes, one of the best strong safeties in football. So is that an issue? Yeah. For a defense that plays a Seattle scheme, Jaquaski Tart plays the Cam Chancellor role. That's the most important role on the defense. It's, the mo- it's a safety playing a linebacker's job, but yet being asked to do coverage things that a safety does and also, oh, when they run the ball, we'd like you to be a linebacker and stop people that way. So are they missing him? Yes. Are they missing DJ Jones, who you've heard me talk about, one of their D tackles that's out for the year? That is huge. No D Ford in the lineup right now. And my biggest thing with the 49ers D, okay, is uh, what's, what's our man's name? At Hull Club Lambs? You know, yeah. the, the 49ers fall into the category of they play the Seattle scheme, mm-hmm. okay? And again, how many teams in football play the Seattle, Seattle scheme right now? All right, let me just kind of go over this. Right now, the Colts, okay, they do. The Chargers, they do. The Jaguars, they do. Okay? That's the AFC. Now the NFC. The 49ers play the same scheme. The Seattle Seahawks play that scheme, of course. The Dallas Cowboys play that scheme. The Atlanta Falcons play that scheme. So, there are seven teams in the NFL that play that scheme. Over the last few years, everybody's played this defense. And... It's, it's just not enough. It's just like what I say about Dallas. It's just not enough. You know what you're getting. And without those players, you know, the, their talent could overwhelm you. When you have five first-round picks and D Ford and Bosa and the two Oregon guys are right. coming up the middle in your face all the time, I don't give a shit what you play in the back end. It's going to be tough sledding against those four coming after you. But one or two get hurt, and all of a sudden one's got to play out of position because DJ Jones is hurt, and now you're not getting to rest the same, and Jaquaski Tart's not playing, and, you know, Richard Sherman, he's banged up and all these issues. Yeah. It's going to lead to defenses, our offenses picking apart this defense. What if I said fully healthy, Yeah, that's the right defense for the 49ers to run? Yeah. Once they get hurt, though, it's not. No. It's difficult to switch it up midway through. But but, but would you buy that, the fact that yes. fully healthy with the talent they have, it's okay running that it's defense. It's okay running it's that defense, right, because their talent is so superior that, that they can get there with their front four. They can play it almost conservative on the back end. You know, the, the beauty of that defense is – yeah, you don't mess up a whole lot, right? And then you also start to learn through years of doing it, wait, everybody tries to run this play on us because they think it exposes us. So you start to learn the plays that beat you on it. Yeah. So, yes, but if that's you got to be healthy and experienced that way and all that way. But, yeah, as soon as the, the, there's injuries and a few of the top-end talent guys are hurt, the, the, the defense falls off. So we got the huge game on Sunday night now with 49ers and Seahawks. Yeah. Winner gets the first round by. The loser is a wild card team. Which 49ers is are going to win that game. I'm just Whoa. telling you right now. This is, oh, not yep. the, this is not the prediction podcast, well, but you're the, ready to go there. I am. I've been saying this for two weeks. And In yes. Seattle. Yep. Very tough for the 49ers traditionally to do that. Yep. I get you. 
you know. What makes I, you so confident? All well, the injuries Seattle ain't that great on offense. I mean, I, I, at home this year. Okay, that, that is true. That's three, the, three losses, right? Right. They're all four three. and three, right? Okay. So that's the first thing that I want to say. And then Seattle defense. The, the reason they were so vaunted at home was because their defense with that crowd noise. Nobody's scared of Seattle's defense right now. I mean, you saw what Arizona did to them yesterday. And let me just say this, too. This is the other thing I want to go over. You know, this is where people people were being misled by what we saw for the, the, the game against the first time around, the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. The Seattle Seahawks, they ended up the game with like 336 total yards of offense, all right? But... It was really nowhere. There was three drives in overtime. At the end of regulation, it was like a 220-something yard day. And I don't have the exact stats around me, but it was right around there. At the end of four quarters, they did nothing on offense. Mm-hmm. And I just want to remind everybody, their first touchdown, 10-yard fumble return by Jadeveon Clowney, who is not even playing right now. Their second touchdown, three-play, 16-yard drive. Why? Jerron Reed caused the fumble, and Jadeveon Clowney, I think, recovered that one. All right, so there's a three-play, 16-yard drive. They've done nothing on offense, and they're up 14 to 10, Mm -hmm. right? Then the next drive is a four-play, 24-yard drive because they had an interception returned down to the 24-yard line. So, you know, and then an 11-play, 47-yard drive at the end of regulation to go up by three. So that's, to me, what scares me. You know, 49ers defense has probably gotten worse since that game. It has. It definitely has. You're so. right about that. And I don't know. The, the Seahawks offense has gotten worse since that game, too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fair to say. Plus, I don't think it's realistic to win the way they did, and especially Jadeveon Clowney not being healthy right now. I just don't see how they can pull this off. So Derek DeBear is talking about that Seahawks <laughs> offense and says, who should Seattle Seahawks get in at running back? Because you got Carson who got hurt, Procise hurt, uh, Dwayne Brown is hurt. Now, they got a lot of guys on the on the line there. So this is... Uh, Penny has been out, um, so running the ball could be very difficult for them. There is a report that there is interest. Yeah, I get it. With Marshawn Lynch, right? Who last played last year, caught uh, 90 carries for him last year, um, and I'm just getting something hot off the presses here from Matt. Really Casey. good chance. Pete Carroll, the headline says, will give Marshawn Lynch a really good chance to play for us. Wow. Wow. So he is taking a physical with the team. The quote is, he'll be flying in here tomorrow morning. We're going to give him a really good chance to come back and play for us. I think it's freaking great if he can get back out there and tote the ball for us, he said while chomping on a a piece of gum. Well, yeah, of course he was. That's 100%. Uh, Well, I mean, of course, that's the first guy that makes sense. I mean, nobody else even really makes sense. You know, I did did think I like C.J. Anderson because I don't know if he's on a roster right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Uh, I couldn't remember. But first off, Marshawn is the kind of beast where, like, he doesn't have to play a full season and he can come in and play and you'd be like, well, he looks pretty good. I mean, he took a year off and came to the Raiders and I went, holy cow, he hasn't really missed a beat. He still looks really great that way. So I get that. Man, do they need him. They're in trouble too right now. You know, with the injuries on the O-line, the injuries at the running back position, as you see yesterday, when they can't run the ball, their pass game is underwhelming. It's, it's just not creative enough. They're so dependent, Ahmed, about being able to run the ball, dominate the line of scrimmage. Okay, now we got to worry about stopping the run, and now it's a play-action pass and DK Metcalf's one-on-one or Tyler. Right. That's what they want to do to you. But when they, when they have no run and the team never has to, like, go, oh, we got to stop it, and we can play pass defense primarily – the Seahawks' pass offense is just not creative enough that way to beat, you know, defenses. They're really not. 
as awesome as Russell Wilson is, they need to help him out. Just like I talk about the Cowboys players and defense and all that, they need to help Russell Wilson out with some creative game plan design sometimes just to get that offense going. I don't always see that there. We do say that a lot, and Russell Wilson was in the MVP conversation at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And a lot of times it seems like when it goes south, we do blame the offensive line or scheme. Right. Do we give Russell Wilson a free pass sometimes when this team underperforms, or do you think that we're, those legitimate <sighs> concerns are, are there because there are some problems with the offense? I, I, I think so. You know, I, you, I feel like, you know, uh, the guy that just dropped off the paper there, Matt Casey, he he's always thinks that Russell Wilson doesn't get enough criticism, but he's kind of a hater on Matt, uh, Russell Wilson, <laughs> so I can't really listen to him. Yeah. Correct is right with what Pete DiMoletta Lita said. Uh, You'd rather have Russell Wilson than not have him, and most of the time he will make it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay, so let's go to let's go to another question here. This one comes from Latino NFL. What up, Latino NFL? Says is Chandler Jones Ooh. having a great season, or are his numbers a little bit inflated? Yeah, well, he's so had a few games of where he just went of off, Wilson. right? Yeah, he's had yeah, two right. four sack games right. this year. He has a new franchise record of 19 on the season. Yeah. It's Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Numbers. Is he overrated? Uh, no, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's one of the best edge defenders in the sport. He's amazing. In fact, I would say he's underrated because, you know, he's on a team that's just not on the radar of the national media on a week-to-week basis, and certainly the defense is not, like, special statistically to where people take notice. But, you know, since he's left New England and went to Arizona – He's been phenomenal every year for the Arizona Cardinals. He's definitely one of the best pass rushers in all of football. He's good against the run. You saw what he does yesterday, not even the sacks, but then ran downfield when he was in a blitz zone coverage, stripped uh, stripped uh, David Moore uh, that, that helped them recover a fumble that way. So, no, I do not think Chandler Jones is overrated. Do I think he's like a super, superstar? Like, uh, I mean – you know, the best pass rushers in football right now, you know, really, actually, I do. I do. As I start to think about it and think about, like, the top pass rushers in the sport right now, like, I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right ones here. I mean, you know, hey, Von Miller, you know, I, I, don't, I think Von Miller's lost a step, in my opinion, too, to where I don't think he's the exactly, exactly the same. But do I think he's in the class of Shaquille Barrett, uh, Cameron Jordan, T.J. Watt, Daniel Hunter, you know, Joey Bosa, Dante Fowler, absolutely. Bud Dupree, Robert Quinn, yes, he's in mm. their class. Every bit as good and if not better in, in certain years. All right, so that's uh, we're going to talk a little bit defensive player of the year in a second, and I think he might be up there for you. Don't give it away. Yeah, yet. okay. Uh, two more quiz, uh, Christmas questions here. This one has to do with eggnog, which I was never a big eggnog right. guy right. until my wife bought it three years ago yeah it's really good is it really good great you've never had it. i don't think i've really ever had it i mean they kind of lost me at egg and nog okay (laughs) so so (laughs) i mean that's kind of sounds kind of fucking gross all right reject the whole word yeah if you've never thought of just i'm I'm gonna have some nog Mm, let me have some chicken in a cup with some nog in it (laughs) what does that mean well that's what an egg is it's a Uh, chicken okay yeah you know that uh, that's what you're eating every morning just so you know i've never heard that (laughs) yeah never heard that that's what it is i'm just all you egg lovers out there, I don't like eggs. Let me just lay out right here because I'll edit it. Yeah. Okay, now why, pick it why, up again. Why? Why uh, are we editing that? Is I chicken? Because it, it threw okay. me. It threw me off. We better uh, not. Garnet four seventy eight. 
So he says alcoholic or non-alcoholic eggnog. You would say neither. I would say alcoholic. I might. I want to try eggnog. Try, it's good. It is yeah, good? I'm, I'm telling you. I, I didn't have it. You before. try it non or with some alcohol in it? They've both been alcoholic, I yeah. think. What do they put in it? A little whiskey? I have no or idea. What is it that There's goes like in a little there? cinnamon and vanilla. Oh, the alcohol yeah. part of it? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Right. Oh, but that's our, um, that's our next question. It's from Ernest Vasquez Jr., What's your preferred liquor for eggnog? So, Ernest, we would like to know from you, actually. Yeah. Um, rum, we're hearing, is a very popular item you put in eggnog. Gotcha. Uh, I, like to put, I like to put vodka and ice and two limes, and then I take the eggnog out, and I just drink it that way. <laughs> That's, you remove, That's my Christmas You remove drink. the eggnog. That's from the... what I do. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's Christmas time. And I like to smoke the marijuana oh, yeah. and drink Chopin on the rocks. We'll get to that, too. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so eggnog, try it. Try some eggnog. All right, it's, if I have good. it around this weekend, I will try it. I, there's probably a good chance my wife will have it there for everybody else. Drinking it, it does feel like it's incredibly bad for you. Like, very fattening, probably high in calories, high in sugar. Yeah. So it does well, seem incredibly great poor for you. healthy energy drink you have at your feet. No, I, I really... poured it out. Oh, I poured you it out on the floor so I wouldn't uh, <laughs> consume it. So uh, that's our eggnog <laughs> thoughts. To Chief's thoughts now. Right. A team on the rise. Right. A team that Will Chris you drink Sims... the next two days during Christmas at all? Yeah, you I will. will. What I'm be kind your of drink. like a uh, whiskey, kind of like a Maker's Mark kind of guy. Okay. Used to be beer, but then it was too much liquid for me. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. You, you, it's, it's too you much. You get bloated. And you can't eat. Super fast. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You. Right. You can't eat all the good foods. Right. So I'll, I'll drink a little bit, yeah. Cool. A little bit. I'll celebrate in all style. Right, cool. I just want to make sure. Drink to the Chiefs because they are uh, looking like a legitimate Super Bowl team. This one comes from Aussie Chiefs fan. Can Mahomes and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl without getting the bye and a one and two seed? Wow. Yeah. Aussie Chiefs fan, I like it. Aussie, we got fans. We got fans from all might. over. Um, I don't mean that to be offensive. I'm just being funny. No, we'll have to bleep that too. No, <laughs> but the uh, to to answer at Aussie Chiefs fan question, yep. yeah, I do. I, I think they can get to the Super Bowl without being the one or two seed. I mean, would I prefer them to have the one or two seed? Certainly. But do I think like Kansas City? Can win a home wild card game against whoever it may be, you know the, you know, and right now it could be the Titans, the Steelers, or the Buffalo Bills. Right. Absolutely. And I honestly think in the AFC they're the two worst matchups. They're the worst matchup for the Ravens or the Patriots. Those are they do not. Those teams I just don't feel like match up very well with Kansas City. You know, for this being the reason we saw a little bit what Kansas City did to New England a few weeks ago. Yep. Plus, New England likes to play man-to-man. It's hard to play man-to-man against all those weapons that the Chiefs have that way. You know, the Chiefs, can, the Chiefs have size up front. They can stop the, stop the run game. And I don't know if you heard last night, you know, and I said this on our podcast the day after the Chiefs-Patriots Chiefs game. Uh, I said this, and Mahomes, I guess, said it to Chris Collinsworth. He said it was the worst game of his career. It was. It was mm. the worst game of his career. And they were up 23-7 to and had the ball at the midfield. And you're going, uh-oh, they're going to blow the Patriots out. So uh, I do think they can. And there's a reason they've beaten the Ravens the last two years as well, because they do have enough size up front. And like I said, for two defenses that want to be aggressive and put people at the line of scrimmage and do all of that, it's a really scary formula to do against the Kansas City Chiefs. So Jeff Roebuck asks you, are the Chiefs the only team that has a shot against the Ravens in the AFC playoffs? You think they have a shot I do. against them in I Baltimore? Do. I do. I think they definitely have a shot against them in Baltimore. I don't think they're going to be phased by that matchup one bit. I really don't. So whether they have to play Baltimore in the AFC championship game or the divisional round, uh, there's no doubt 
that I, I think, yeah, I think they're made for – I think they're a tougher physically and mentally team this year than they were last year. Their defense does more. It's more creative. They're a little more talented. Okay? I like that aspect. And then as you watch the game last night, they're running the ball with a little more patience. Sure. They have more underneath pass game than, than years past. Okay? And I think, you know, Mahomes understands the full scope of what his team is trying to do. And I do. I look at them as uh, – being a team to watch out for here. So we were talking before the show, and there might be some similarities to that 2006 Colts team yeah, that was right. defensively very porous right. throughout the whole year. Right. Pete was looking at the stats, and they gave up 173 rushing yards per game. Yeah. That was the worst in the NFL. They had, uh, they had a few-game run where they just got gashed in the run game. Most by any team this century. So they were terrible. They get into the playoffs – and then they're giving up, I think it was like 88 yards, 83 yards per game, which would have been third best in the NFL that season. Yeah. They totally turned it around. Are we seeing the Chiefs do the same thing? Because now they've given up three points to the Bears, three to the Broncos, 16 to the Patriots, nine to the Raiders before that. Right. The defense is, is peaking at a really interesting time for them. De- definitely. It's, it's, honestly, it's been good for me since before the bye week where they – you know, they beat the Chargers in Mexico City and even the week before that against the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, I understand, scored 35 points. I get it. But their defense played well that game, too. They had like two or three just assignment mix-ups. It wasn't where, you know, and people might go, well, they messed up. They let up their... I understand it. But there's a difference to me in like, oh, you guys are getting blown off the ball and getting gashed. And then to, oh, it's a stalemate at the line of scrimmage, and one guy made a mistake, and they happened to cut right there, and it was a 70-yard gain. There's a difference in that statistical look to me when I watch a game on film than rather than the team that's just like, whoa, it's six yards, whoa, it's eight yards. I mean, sure. That's when you go, you're getting obliterated. You're getting physically pounded into the ground. When I go, ooh, it's stalemate, 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 and then a guy rips off a big run, hey, sometimes it might be obliteration, but the times I've seen them do that as of late, it's really been like a mess up in scheme. Like yeah. somebody didn't do their job. Somebody like took the cheese on a fake or something like that. So I like, I don't know what your question was, but I like their defense. Neutral field. Yeah. I'm getting the feeling you like Kansas City better than Baltimore right now. I think now, if you right? made me pick the Super Bowl right now, and it's really hard to go against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I think if I had a pick right now, on Christmas Eve's Eve, mm-hmm. I would think we're going to see 49ers Chiefs. Wow. Yeah. It's either 49ers Chiefs to me or 49ers Ravens. That's what I, I think is it's one of the two. And, yeah, I think I would give the Chiefs the slight edge. And I know a lot of people out there are going to go, that's fucking insane. The Ravens are on fire and haven't lost since, what, September or early October. I get it. I get it, but I think the Ravens, I mean, the Chiefs are, are peaking at the right time. You know, Ravens maybe not quite as tested, too. You know, a lot of times you see, and I'm not saying this year, they've been tested this year, but yeah. you, you normally see the progression of, all right, team starts to get its feet under it, right. and then it's Lamar Jackson emerges as one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's on top. You know, right. Almost you, you wonder if it's too much too fast for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they seem to have their head in the right place, they so do. I'll say that. They and do. Lamar certainly does. Bronco Gens. This is a movie question, so you're going to have to do this one. Okay. Uh, why am I so bothered that Kevin leaves his mac and cheese uneaten in Home Alone? Yeah, I you mean know that scene. Yeah, I do. So of he's course. planning out meticulously right. how to get the the two bad guys. Right, right. He's got the whole booby trap set up. Yeah, he's planned it all out. And then he looks at the clock and realizes it's a little later. Right, and he he's got to go. Mac and cheese, and then the alarm goes. Yeah, the grandfather clock goes off. Right, and he's, he's like, like, oh, they're coming. And he leaves the mac and yeah. cheese. He planned it. I think that's the cue of the music. Here's the picture for a YouTube audience of the battle plan. I mean, look how much time that took. To, to write out, draw it all out, plan it, buy the supplies for it. So you do all that, 
and then you make your mac and cheese like 10 minutes too right. late. Right, all right, so first off, you, have you seen this movie? I actually have seen this okay, movie. Okay, thank is, God. If you're going to say this, I'm like, I give up. I don't know where the hell you've been living <laughs> your whole life. Yeah. Uh, it's a great Christmas movie. It is. It is one of my favorites. I, I certainly will be on in my house here uh, very, very soon. Um, I understand. I'm always bothered by food being left uneaten. Yeah. I'm always bothered by it. Sure. I mean, I really will stuff myself sometimes because I'm like, man, i got to finish this. This is so effed up to that dead cow or to the other starving people in the world and I try right. to finish. This is what I try to do to guilt my kids sometimes. It's just like, hey, there's, you know, there's kids out there that would lick that plate right there. They, they would love to have that right there. And there you are taking one bite and get yep. away. It drives me crazy. I, I, and I tell them that all the time too. They don't listen to me and so then I eat it and then that's how my polos get to be too tight. Right. And now this polo that I have on right here last year at this time was a pretty good fitting polo yeah now it's it's screaming a bit is it screaming honestly yeah you think so it's a little tight and if i bend over in the wrong way it it hurts well yes. okay let's see let's also see let me just see can you stand up for a second yeah i'll stand up let me just make sure it fits all regulations in here so yeah so okay. here's the problem all right it's, you're looking good my shoulders have gotten a little wider so that yeah. when i raise my arms up that's what i want to see that's illegal that's yep. an illegal shirt i know okay illegal shirt i feel it Illegal shirt, 15-yard penalty for exposing us all to your under it, hair and it, area. It wasn't okay. doing, and it wasn't doing that a year ago. It but my kids, gosh dang it, don't eat their food, right. and so then I'm not going to waste. I'm not going to throw away food. I hear you. And my wife says, "Why? You're wasting it either way. If you're eating it when you're not hungry, you're wasting it." And I was like, "No, I need to eat this." Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's wasting it, even though if you're not hungry and you're still eating it, I don't. Think right. It, it doesn't feel like a waste. It doesn't feel like a waste. It's maybe not being totally. Uh, maximized for its use, but it's not being wasted. Although you have a dog? Now I have to buy a new polo. That's the other thing so dog would be good for, We too. do have a dog, yeah. yeah. But dog. then he started to get a little bit big, too, so we had to cut him. <laughs> you got to buy him some bigger Every, polos, My whole too. family, except Dude. for my wife is, and my kids, have Dude. been expanding. Do, you can't be wearing shirts where when you raise your arms above well, your head. Well, it doesn't head, come up that often, honestly. It comes up. Well, no, yes. I, I rarely raise my hands above my head, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you will be now on all our podcasts, so you better get ready. Shirt check. I'm going to do a shirt check on you, I promise you. Uh, okay. Oh, we're, it's time for the speed round. Whoa! Oh, speed so round. we, we got a speed round here. Speed rounds. <laughs> uh, we got to get a little music. Oh, festive speedy. music! I love it. This makes me go speedy. Riff Raff six 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 nine nine nine. Who is your current favorite O line and D line players? Uh, and I would like to note too that Riff Raff spelled favorite F A V O U R I T E. Favorite. Yeah, so I think that's British. It's French. French, maybe. It's French. Okay, whatever. Favorite. So we appreciate that. Another. Another uh, listener from across the pond somewhere. Ooh. Favorite O-line, D-line players? Oh, man, this is a good question. and This is not going to help with the speed round. This is not helping <laughs> I know. Here's one all. that does take quite a bit of thought. Um, uh, okay, so. Is Matt Judon, do we call him a defensive lineman? Or well, yeah, lineback? I mean, I think he can he can qualify. That's your guy right he's, there. He's I my mean, favorite. I, I would Valley say State. Fletcher Cox has usually been my favorite. He, okay. He's right up there to me. Has he done uh, anything to lose that status? It hasn't been as great as a year by him. Like, I love Fletcher Cox and Jadeveon Clowney when they're healthy. Because they're the ultimate fuck-the-play-up guys. I know Aaron Donald's the ultimate, but yeah. uh, I would say those are two guys because I feel like they've never gotten the credit they maybe deserve. I'll tell you, that here's another one that jumps out to me. I mean, Chris Jones is probably the other guy on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. He's really a game wrecker. I like watching him. I'm going to say he's my favorite right now, Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. All right. I'm going to say Chris Jones and the Chiefs as far as my D-lineman. And then my O-line cow award goes to, because you know O-linemen are cows, right? Mm -hmm. You know that. Um, 
All right, let me just let me just check this out. Indianapolis Colts. The Colts Baltimore got Ravens, some good ones. I mean, Quentin Yanda. Nelson is in that conversation. Oh, Marshall Yonda is really in that conversation. I love me some Bakatiari. Uh, ooh, man, this is really a good one. Um, no, you know who I think I'm going to go? I'm going to go with the Raiders right tackle, Trent Brown. Ooh. I love watching Trent Brown ma- ma- mash people. I mean, he's just a mountain of a human being. So they didn't overpay for him. I, 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 you know, I don't think so. I mean, he's set forth an attitude to their football team, and they can run behind him. Yeah, I think that might be my two favorite right now. Yeah, all right. And the Patriots are going to pay him a lot of money, too. Don't, don't like, think that they were like, oh, this guy isn't good. They wanted to keep Trent Brown. But the Raiders just kind of blew them out of the water. And, you know, Bill, if he thinks you're worth two cents, he's not going to pay three. That's he's just true. not going to do it. C.J. Budman. Good question there. Damn, that, that had me one. thinking. I know. Akeem Hicks is in that conversation. And you had to do it fast, too, because you got music that was going. not fast. C.J. Budman, what kind of gel do you use in your hair? Ooh, I, uh, okay, so this is really the first year of my life I've started putting stuff in my hair. I use pomade. Really? Pomade. What have you done before? I've oh. just said fuck it and just let it wing it. I Really, this is the first year of my life I've actually put a comb in my hair a few times. I've never even put a comb. This is not a comb, even though it might look like a comb. Yeah. It's just fingers. Right. I let it dry a little and oh, I get did, some pomade. It did, it did look like fingers when you were Oh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> pomade, man. I didn't realize. My wife turned me on a pomade. It's pretty strong. It is. I don't like the shiny. I'm not a shiny look, although yeah. this is not very shiny at all. You yeah. Know, the dry. I let it dry a little bit. Yeah. It seems to help it out. What do you put in your hair? Wait, was that NBC mandated? Were they like, dude, if you're if we're gonna come over here and do the podcast here full time, you got to put some gel in your hair. Man. No, it was not NBC mandated. You just wanted to do that. I did. I just I'm I'm, no, I'm done with my like grow out my hair, let it go everywhere. Look, I don't know. I've gotten to 39 and I like looking professional. Yeah. And I'm cutting it tight on the sides and doing the comb over. That's what I'm doing. For I now. do a beard brand Temple Smoke styling balm. That's my thing right now. I used to do Axe. Right. And then now I've gone to this new thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's good. Yeah, it works good. It's kind of like I try to do the same thing. Messy look. Yeah, right. Um, but You're pulling it off. Pull it off. Thanks. Yeah, pomade, though. Um, we got we got distracted by our hair and pieces. Speed yeah. round, sorry. Uh, ben Marcus, 1985. Who's the best live band in the world, and why is it Fish? Uh, sorry, it's not Fish. No. Uh, you sure this isn't from one of the guys here that works in, uh, at NBC? Kaminsky, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kaminsky, yeah, exactly. Kaminsky <laughs> loves fish. Good and, job and, by Rob Ryland there. Um, no, they're not my favorite live man in the world, okay? I don't know. I don't really understand the fish thing. I understand smoking weed and listening to music. I get that. I get it. But that's not one of my favorite ones to listen to. Like jam sessions yeah. and that, not my favorite. Right now, live music band, holy crap. Okay, my favorite, I haven't listened to her live, but I love Lana Del Rey. I love Lana Del Rey. I want her to serenade me with her beautiful voice. (laughs) I love her. Yes. I'm really into this. You know, I like rap, but I'm really into, like, women singing. So who? Lana Del Rey. Lana Del Rey, Sia. uh, Lizzo. uh, I was singing that earlier from Saturday Night Live. You were. I don't know what it is. There's something about a woman's voice that's very attractive and soothing to me. It's very in right now. I'd rather listen to that. To yes. the Chris Sims ear. It is. Okay. Yeah, okay. Lord, even some of those songs. Not that I'm like, Lana Del Rey is the only one out of those I'm buying the album. The other ones, I just listen to their like top songs. I'm like, oh, I like that. You know, Lady Gaga puts on a really good well, live show. No doubt. I would go to that for sure. I would go to that too. And her voice is amazing. All right, that was good. That was a speed round. Love Lana Del Rey. Well done. Yeah, that was a slow speed round, but we yeah, did it. That's fine. Uh, Bills, Patriots. So that was a uh, another fascinating game. I was yeah. convinced the Bills were going to win before that game. Remember that? I was like, they're going to win this game. 
In New England, they didn't. Although they played pretty well. They did. They played really well. It's just, um, you know, they're a team I just look at and go, they're, they're a year away. That's all it is. They're a year away. You're locked out of your computer I don't computer know what now. I'm doing here. I'm so sick of the password. The speed round went so slow that your computer locked you out. All right, there we go. I think I got it. Um, hat or B. Yeah. Hat or B. You have an, any increased faith in the New England O after this week. Yeah. Best running game by far this year. Anything you see makes you think they can keep that up. I do. Uh, at Hat Orb or at Hatorb. Hat Hatorb. Hatorb, whatever, you, whatever you're trying to say there. Uh, I do have increased faith in the New England Patriots the last two weeks. You know, you take it back to the Bengals game. There was effective running in that game, and I thought the pass protection was better. And this past Saturday night, I mean, hey, that's, that's a good front they played in the Buffalo Bills. They ran the ball, and I thought that was the best pass protection all year Tom Brady's had. So, again, this is New England. Now, do I think they're going to, like, ever hit the ground this running this year to where they're going to be putting up 30 points a game in the playoffs? No. But as long as they can get to 20 or 24, they're, they're going to win games just about against everybody, except for maybe Kansas City or Baltimore. They might have to score a few more there. But I do feel good about where they're going right now after what I saw the last two weeks. I do, definitely. See Terrier 100. Bill yeah. Belichick writes constantly in a notebook during the games. Have you ever seen what he writes, and how do the Patriots use what he writes in future games? So he is. He's always over there. He got a piece of paper, he's and he holds it, and he's like, he's up there like this. Brings up the pen. Sometimes he'll look up and check the clock, I think. Yeah, and the score and the situation. He's writing the situation. So whatever his thought is at that moment, I don't know what he's writing. He's I don't ne know. You've never, even when you were with him for a year there, you no. didn't get access to his notes. No, you're not going to get access to that. Nobody's going to get access to that. To me, that's probably more, though, in-game adjustments. Or he's writing something down to go, ooh, okay, and this, this, I gotta, you know, tell this guy to do that. Or it might be something overarching where he goes, oh, I gotta teach this guy to do something better for next week's game, whatever it may be. I don't know. Right. I don't know, but I can promise you for whatever it is, it's smart and being used because that's nothing goes to waste in New England. And I love that he writes it down too yeah. because that's like the you go to the restaurant and you have the waiter waitress that just is remembering your order and you always have that uneasy feeling cuz you're like I don't you're probably not going to get this exactly right. Right. But they have that confidence, that arrogance that I'm, I'll remember it. I'm going to remember this yeah, whole thing. Right. And I think most NFL coaches probably think that. They're like, "Oh, that's interesting. I'll remember this or when I watch tape, I'll just remember this." But Bill's like, "You know what? No. I'm going to make sure that I think of this again later on. I'm going to write it down on yeah. a piece of paper. They're just they're masters at not only game to game, but in-game adjustments, all of those things. And it all goes to Bill, Josh McDaniels, you know, Stephen Belichick now on the defensive side of the ball, those guys, to understanding what a team is doing to attack them, whether it's through personnel sets or formations, or when we get in a certain personnel set, they're trying to do this. They're very quick. There's nobody better. Yeah. Either my year in New England or my year with Josh McDaniels and the Denver Broncos. It's just uh, that's the number one thing that jumped out to me. Oh, it, those three plays. Oh, they're trying to do this. this is, I'm, I'm still like, what? They tried to do what there? I'm still trying to process the last play. And Josh would already you know, like, they're attacking us like this. And I'd be like, oh, and I'd look at the pictures. And I'd be like, yep, he's right. They are it, doing that. Right. Yeah, Attention it's all over. detail from yeah. them. Uh, staying with the Patriots, Latino NFL getting another question in here. Man, two I, like, very good I questions. like my man Latino NFL. Was the 53-yard touchdown to John Brown on Gilmore or was that on Devin McCourty? Because everyone's putting it on Gilmore, but I think it was McCourty's job. Okay. So this was the great play, 53 yards to John Brown where he just ran by everyone and then Josh Allen throwing off the back foot, pressured. Yep. 
gets it out there, perfectly placed. I love this place. One of my favorite so places. So I gotta f- let me let me just see if I can find it real quick, okay? Because we'll sit here in live time. Let me see. I think we're we're probably gonna be close. That gave them 17, right? Is that what that did? So according to Pro Football Focus, by the way, it was the first touchdown that Gilmore had allowed since divisional round playoff game last year against Keenan Allen. I just got that fed to me Whoa. word by word. Is that right? Our producer Pete. All right, yeah. I think I'm close here. Hold on one second, and I'll be able to tell you. Okay. Here it is. I You're got watching it. back the whole game. Oh, here's, here's the play. Yep, here's the play. Okay, so little bunch to the right. Dawson Knox comes in as the outside bunch man to come into a traditional tight end set. Okay, and now Josh Allen runs play action. He fakes a little weak side run to the left side. Mm -hmm. He kind of boots up, sets up, has pressure in his face, has a guy unblocked first off where he has to pull up. And then Lawrence Guy is beating Dawson Knox, all right? And I think as I look at this play, yes, this is Devin McCourty's fault. No doubt about it. Hmm. You know, it's man-to-man coverage, all right? Stefan Gilborn knows he has a free safety in the middle of the field. So he's really not going to bite on anything there. See how he's overplaying the out route move? Right. He knows, like, if he goes out or runs a corner route or just anything like that, I'm going to be all over it. I got a safety in the middle of the field. I don't need to jump that. But McCourty kind of gets, I think, stuck kind of peeking in the backfield. And out of the corner of his eye, I think he also sees John Brown start to bend out, right? See, as he starts to, when he starts to bend out, you can see McCourty actually takes some steps out that way. Right. And then I think before he realizes it, oh, no, Josh Allen didn't get sacked and he's about to throw it, it's too late and, and John Brown's gone by him. So I do. I think this is more Devin McCourty than Stephon Gilmore. I don't think Stephon Gilmore should be that far away there. He certainly could have been in a little bit better coverage. But because of the help he has inside there, I do. I think this is more McCourty. And let me just take one more look because I'll tell you one yeah. other thing that I love to do here. You, context clues are huge. I learned this in New England because sometimes you don't know what a team's running, right? And you go, and they used to go, well, who was yelling at each other after the play? Sure. Or who was communicating? Like we just saw with Jalen Ramsey. Exactly right. And a lot of times those are context clues. So the one thing, McCourty, McCourty does turn around and look at him, but I, it wasn't like, what the hell are you doing? I think it was more like, damn, he got me. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, but Which, yes. if, I, if I was a defensive back in the NFL, what I would do every play is I would put my hands up. So that way people at home would think I never screwed up. Yeah. So that, that's all you got to do. You can be an all-pro defensive back if just every time you get burnt, you throw your hands up. Well, a lot of them do that. Or they, they do. I mean, there's Even a lot. Even if I say, hey, I'm sorry, man. Well, I, I do mean, it with my arms up. That way people at home think that I'm What was the Monday the Night Football? Xavier Rhodes did it against the Seahawks. Remember? It was his fault. He turned yeah. around when the guy first scored the touchdown. Like, somebody screwed him over. And then he's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm burned on TV. Everybody knows it. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I, he tried to I make up with Harrison hands. Smith. Let's, but, yeah, that looked more McCourty to me than Stephon Gilmore. Stay in this game, but yeah. another corner. Uh, this is from Hits Josh. Yeah. Bill's question here. Where do you rate uh, Trida? Tredavious, Tredavious White, White right. among the uh, corners, top corners in the league. His numbers show top five easily, but I feel that McDermott's scheme is very cornerback friendly. So is White as good as the numbers say he is? I don't think he is, no. And that's a really good question. Uh, at high, it's Josh. First off, I, I think you're oh, very – high, it's Josh. Yeah, high, it's Josh, yes. One, yeah. Yep. Um, I think your, your thoughts are very on point. Tredavious White's a really good corner. For me, he's not a top-five corner. You can't be a top-five corner unless you can play on the island and shut people down that way, and that's not what Tredavious White or the Buffalo Bills do. They play primarily zone coverage. They dabble in man-to-man coverage, and 
He's a great zone, zone cover corner. He understands what offenses are trying to do. He's really quick in short spaces. He doesn't have great long speed. Like, he's not going to be able to run with, like, Julio Jones down the field on a go route. They're going to run by him eventually. Yeah. But his quickness, his acceleration, and short area movements make him really good. And, like, I'm going to stand up at the gym for a second just oh, one time. Our man it. John McDonald is gone, but we still got room. But, like, what makes a good zone corner is, like, a lot of the times, like, just the ability, like, oh, okay, they're running a receiver here and they're running a receiver deep. He's great at kind of like playing in between, not giving a read to which way he's going. And then when he does get a tell from the quarterback or whatever it may be, his ability to break and start and accelerate is as good as anybody. But I don't, I don't think he is um, – I'm not going to say – you know, this is something I probably need to do here really soon. Right, he's not in Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Ramsey, or Stephon Gilmore's class. I think those right off the bat, just in my mind right now, without talking a whole lot, are the best corners in football. I still think the kid Fuller in Chicago was really good. Uh, he's not having his best year. I think Byron Jones in Dallas is really good. Um, just kind of quickly going through. Sorry, I don't mean to be long here. I think William Jackson for the Cincinnati Bengals, when he is healthy, he is phenomenal. Uh, same with Xavier Howard down in Miami. I'm probably missing somebody else here that I should probably hit on. But to me, I certainly would put Gilmore, Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey. Um, nope. Pete said Patrick Peterson. I'm definitely not putting him on that list right now. You know, listen, J.C. Jackson, he's in the conversation for a top 10 corner in football. But, yeah, I guess Tredavious is somewhere in that, to me, somewhere in that maybe that four okay. to eight range. I need to st- st- uh, kind of figure that out. What, who are the top five corners in football to me right now? I'm actually not even sure. Now he's got me intrigued to, to look it up. Gilmore, one of the top corners. Gilmore's is one. He, could he be the defensive player of the year? We had the discussion with Chandler Jones earlier. Let's tie, uh, tie that one up. Who's, with, uh, who's your defensive player of the year so far? Stephon Gilmore. He, it is Gilmore. I, I think so. I, I almost want to say, like, I don't even care if Chandler Jones gets the sack record this week. Like, if, if he gets 23 sacks and, like, has the all-time single season, I don't know if it still is. To me, the Patriots are the best defense in football. Stephon Gilmore is the best player on that defense. And they can't do what they do on the defensive side of the ball without a guy like him. So, to me, that's, that stands for defensive player of the year or MVP type sure. guy. Uh, and that's where, as, as phenomenal as Chandler Jones is, we've seen some of those sacks have come in, like, lumps, right, to where he's feasted that way. You know, Stephon Gilmore is a force on a week-to-week basis. This one is coming from Pete, the producer. Oh, Jair Alexander last, probably last deserved minute. to be in that conversation. Oh. I'm thinking of the corner still. Okay. Yeah. Right. Give him some love. Yeah. Uh, we got some breaking news. Yeah. From uh, Adam Schefter. Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph expected to miss Sunday's game against Broken Baltimore. Clavicle. Uh, left shoulder injury Ooh. per sources. So it's uh, Devlin Hodges as the starter against the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Wow. They, can they win with Duck as the quarterback? I mean, they can, yes. Ravens don't have anything to play for. Nothing to play for. Um, I know John Harbaugh said they are going to figure out whether what they were going to do with their starters in that game this morning. I think they need to take the New England approach. What's that? And play. Play week 17. You got a week off after that. You need to play, though. I think it's, you know, to go, oh, we're going to play two weeks without playing meaningful football and then play the most meaningful game of your year. Sure. That's when you're just primed to get upset. And to me, that, that would be scary. 
So not that you need to overly game plan. Maybe you take some guys out as the third quarter rolls along. I get that. But I think you need to approach it as a normal week there. And I expect the Ravens to beat the Steelers no matter what, really. As long as they're not totally sitting out the game with their starters, Baltimore. I think they're going to – I just don't know. It's just too hard to play the way the Steelers are playing right now. It's coming back. You know, reality's coming back. One more team to talk about. Yeah. And this is a, a team that for some reason is a little bit under the radar maybe. We're not talking about them as much as we have in years past. Uh, this is Hamad Abdul Aziz says, You've been low on the Packers this season. Don't you think Rodgers in the playoffs is scary enough? Yeah. And then Matthew Cole Webb says, Are the Packers the dark horse? No one's talking about them. If Rodgers gets hot in January and the defense plays opportunistic, they could sneak up, sneak well, up on anyone. That, that's that's what does scare me. I mean, I just yeah. I just don't know that yet. I mean, it's it's a just a big unknown. They um, could get a buy still. And and our man uh, Hamad Abdul Aziz. I yep. mean, he's right. You're right. I haven't been down. And I mean, and you know, I mean, if anybody that should prove again that I'm not biased because we know Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player. Um, yes, they're scary. I do look at them as a team that man, the first round buy would really benefit the Green Bay Packers. You know, to have that week off, to then have some team come to play you in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's 10 degrees and they're out of their element that way. Yes, it's going to be tough to beat Green Bay. I don't care who you are in the NFC in that kind of environment. They're just used to playing that way. Um, their defense is opportunistic. Their game plan specific, as you hear me say a lot, which means they'll come out in a game plan and do something where you go, oh, we, we didn't prepare for them to play this coverage or play this set when we, play, when we lined up like this. So I do like that. I just have concerns. You know, just a lot of dead spots within the offense. Uh, you know, the run game's good but not great. The pass game's good, not great. Now, yeah, Rodgers could get on fire, and that's the big thing. That's the, that's the ace in the hole right, right there. No doubt about that. So they're scary, but do I still think they're as good as the 49ers or the Saints? No, I don't. I think they're a notch below that. Okay. But I think that's, it's a fair point, and I do think about that with Green Bay. I mean, you know, hey, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen Rodgers catch on fire and win some playoff games where we go, well, they really weren't as good as that team, but sure. he's so awesome they overcame it. They can get that by yeah. if they win tonight and next week at Minnesota. Ooh, that'll be huge. Tonight, so. that'll, that'll be a great equalizer. Yeah. I mean, a great equalizer. So then you go into the divisional playoff game and the Saints got to come play them there. I mean, I give them a puncher's chance against the Saints at home in Green Bay. If it's the other way around, I don't. It's night-night Green Bay. Um, but Drew Brees outside in the cold air and doing all that, uh, yeah, I would worry about that a little bit. All right, it's hot seat season. Whoa, hot it seat. It is hot seat season. We've got coaches who are already out, coaches who we assume will be out yeah. here in the next week or so. Yeah. So we're going to go through this speed round style. We do need a little music for the hot seat season. Oh, okay. Holiday-type uh, music once again. This one is from Brooke Niz. Oh, no, Broke Niz. Will Carr be on the Raiders roster next season? It's 50-50 right now. You'd give it a 50-50 chance. Coin flip situation. I think it is a total coin flip situation. You, you know John Gruden. What do you think he does not like about Derek Carr? I think that there's two things. I don't know if Derek Carr is – are you knocking your can onto uh, my foot again? I'm good, I'm good. I don't think – Derek Carr has a type of personality that John Gruden necessarily would love. I think John Gruden likes a little fire in his quarterback. He yelled at you one edge. time about that. 
In he, the coaches meeting or in the players meeting, right? Watching he, film. Yeah, he well, he always used to like he tried to bring it out of me in my early years, like because he'd you know, hey, when when the 49ers used to play this Joe Montana will motherfuck everybody, and you know, as a rookie, it's hard to do that. As a second year guy, you're still trying to get into your like your leadership role. Yeah. And he would like make me fake yell at people like in the quarterback meeting and be like, hey, Sims. What would what would Montana say right here? I'd be like, fuck you, motherfucker, run the motherfucking right route. And yeah. just shit like that. Well, I mean, we know Derek Carr's not saying the, the swear words. No. But I think But that helped you though. It right? Did. Didn't that kind of help it you get out of your shell and Definitely. it felt more natural it for you did. you did it even felt though if it wasn't natural. serious at first? You're like, okay, that yeah. I can do it now. A hundred percent. And then I you know, the off schedule plays by Derek Carr. I don't know if he's capable enough of doing that for John Gruden either. So I say this is where I would say. If he can figure out a plan to where he can get somebody in there that he likes, he'll move on from Derek Carr. But if he starts to dabble in the offseason and realizes, ooh, the draft, I'm not going to get who I like. A free agent quarterback, I might have thought I could get to come into town. I'm not going to get that. Then I think he'll stay status quo with Derek Carr. Derek Carr on the hot seat. You want to uh, read the name of the next Twitter handle? At Hey, would you blow me? (laughs) Oh, I like it. Uh, I would not blow you. Sorry. But I will answer your question at Hey, Would You Blow Me? I do apologize to whoever's editing this one because I do think there are moments that are uh, landmines. Yeah. The chicken and egg one, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know, I don't have my finger These on the These are facts of matter. I, I agree. You know, I mean, if we can't talk about chicken p- <laughs> on the 2019 <laughs> internet, then I don't know what we can talk about, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, is the, uh, Pete's freaking out now. Is the Washington head coach job the least desired spot available? And then Lock Stock Six says, would Lincoln Riley be a great fit for Washington? Ooh, okay, a so double. one, I don't think it's the least desirable. Why? It's a, it's it's annoying that you know you're gonna have to go work for Dan Snyder and nobody likes <laughs> it's that. It's not the least desirable. It's just annoying. Well, it, that's where. But it, like, all right. So just from for hey or hey, would you blow me? All right. Uh-huh. The Redskins have things that coaches are gonna like football wise. Quarterbacks in place. O line pretty good. D line. Whoa, it's Kerrigan. It's Montez Sweat. It's the two Alabama boys in the middle with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. There are some things to like right there. That's the hardest thing to build a team is up front. That's in place. Oh, superstar receiver, budding superstar, Terry McLaurin, you know? So I think there's some pieces there that you go, this is not as big a fix. But do you want to deal with Dan Snyder? The organization does seem a dysfunction. I get it. Would Lincoln Riley be a great fit there? Certainly. So would Urban Meyer, definitely. I, I, I do think that Lincoln Riley could succeed there. That's a team, again, I don't want Lincoln Riley to take over the Dallas Cowboys who are ready to win right now. I mean, more has to be the Cliff Kingsbury approach. Yeah, where Which has worked out well team, for Arizona. And we're going to build together, right? Sure. And that would make sense as a place for Lincoln Riley. Uh, Nerig Setian says, who's the next head coach of the New York Giants? If you were to call it right now and place your money, you get one bet. Who's going to be on the sideline leading the Giants next season? Two names, Josh McDaniels. Okay. All right. I just think that the Giants would call Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick's going to gush about Josh McDaniels. And Josh, is the t- he's, a, he's a Giants type guy. He is. He's buttoned up, detailed. He lives football. You know, he's a good family man. He's everything they believe in as far as being the, the general of their ship. Plus, the Maras. And Bill Belichick have a great relationship, and I think Bill would certainly recommend Josh. I think Josh is the closest thing to Bill in the New England organization. That would be one. Number two, I think it's Matt Rule from Baylor, Mm. who's coached with the Giants before as an assistant. And, of course, turned around Temple football, turned around Baylor football. 
I mean, his man, he's, he's a really good coach, Matt Rule. I think he's going to become a head coach somewhere, and I do think the Giants are in the running there. You know a name that I haven't heard out there and yeah. maybe he's passed his time? Herm Edwards. I don't know if he wants to get back into the NFL. Well, you know game. he's at Arizona State, right? right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So he, obviously he wants to keep coaching. Yeah, he does. And yeah. it was successful for him at Arizona State. I don't know how much interest he has in getting back into the NFL, but I'm surprised I haven't heard that name. Yeah, before. well, I mean, people her, are over him. Maybe he's a great manager of people. He's got. I think he's really made for college football at this yeah, point. I, I do. You know, he's not necessarily in the nitty gritties of the X's and O's and things like that. Yeah. He's, he's more like the like, CEO type. Exactly. He's more the CEO. Hey, they look weak here. We need to make. We need to run these type of plays. Yeah. Or they're doing this on offense. We need to run these kind of defenses. Which the CEO type is kind of not in vogue right now in the NFL. You got the Sean McVay's. And yeah, people want a little more hands-on. Nobody Sean wants Payton, to see their Kyle coach. They're paying six million dollars a year with like their their headphone not on, and they're just sitting there like cheering the team on. Right. That's just not a good look. Uh, Herm, yeah, he's got his hands in that, but then also has the great ability to recruit and do all that thing. And I, I think he's setting up something kind of special at Arizona State. Nate Hillman, 41. Yeah. Your most underwhelming player this year. So Ooh. what is a player that you look at and you say, he has underachieved, he is not what I thought he was going to be. Damn. Most Damn. underwhelming player this year. Ooh, Baker Mayfield. Oh yeah, Pete just said Baker. Near, near Baker the top is of the list. Baker is up the, towards the top of the list. Which it was it, a subpar it, year by him for hand sure. And with Odell. You know, yeah, I mean Odell too. Yes, I get it. I you know I know I know Odell's been fighting injuries. I know that's a real thing. I mean, even when I was there in training camp this year, that he was still fighting some of those injuries at that point. It's only gotten worse. But I would say that. You know, I would say the way Jacoby Brissett has played down the stretch mm. is very underwhelming that way. I'm missing some people, too. Nick Foles. Um, well, Nick we Foles is definitely a disappointment. I mean, we're hitting a lot of quarterbacks here. Josh Rosen. Yeah, uh, I know. We are. But, but I, I, those are the ones. What's that? Le'Veon Bell. No, Le'Veon Bell is underwhelming from a number and output standpoint. But not to me, that was more the, the way they used him. Uh, was he back to the Le'Veon Bell? We know, no, but I, hey, we saw him yesterday. When you give him touches, he can be uh, super, super talented and effective that way. I think those are the ones that jump Melvin out. Melvin Gordon was uh, underwhelming yeah. since he held out. Yeah, but you know, I'm not going to like hold it against holdouts or guys who were battling injury like Saquon Barkley or anything like that. Like, yeah, it's not the year you want, but I'm not going to sit here and just go, oh, they played poor. There's a reason they didn't play up to their best. They've been banged up or they sat out of football or whatever it may be. Khalil Mack has taken some knocks. He does. Chicago. He has. He's been better than people want to realize, though. He has as far as F the plays up and round the ball a lot. When there's no Akeem Hicks, everybody just game plans to not let Khalil Mack ruin the game for them. So he's been good. It hasn't been superstar elite. I guess those are the ones that jump out. Okay. Those are ones I wish I had a little more time to think about. Okay. Well, you can still do that and then yeah. tweet it out later. No, you're right. Text Matt Casey huh. and then That's he'll tweet it out media. for you. That's social media stuff. Huh? Uh, final question. Final. The grand finale from Vaughn Moore 17. Yes. Sativa or Indica? Sativa. Okay. Okay. Or yeah. Indica. Or Indica. Oh, I Sativa. like this. Sativa. Oh, that's and, like Steve. This is him here as a veteran daddy cigar smoker. I expect that's you him. to know this one. That's him. Hey, at Vaughn and Moore 17, of course I know this. And I didn't get the nickname Chris Sativa Sims for nothing. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Is that really? Is yeah, it, so uh, Sativa is more of like a social weed, right? Where okay. you're like, okay, 
yeah, your mind's going a little crazy, but you're not like couch locked, right? You're sure. like, okay, let's go outside and go on a hike or, you know, we'll go. It's a, it's a sunny day. You can still hike on Sativa. You can still, yeah, you can still kind of be energetic in there. You can move. And you're not move and do that. Okay? Right. Indica is going to put you on the couch and you'll be like, all right, where's the Doritos? Yes. Where's the Oreos? Let's do that. Um, so I am a total sativa guy. I don't even mess with indica. I am a hundred percent sativa. And yes, a lot of my friends call me just straight up sativa. Uh, so yes, that's what All I right, do. You answered the question. I don't know if Vaughn Moore is going to be uh, happy. Did you know that about that. sativa? Or, I didn't uh, even know how to pronounce it. Yeah. So no, I did not know that. that. When's the last time you smoked weed? It's never happened. Oh, it's never. never? Happened. Yeah. Never. You've never invited me over. Oh it's never happened. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, you're but getting invited over now. What I do is I, now, I am still, pressure. I am still a bad boy because I I drink uh, Monster. Oh yeah, Energy real bad boy, real bad boy. Yeah. Hey, I'll spill it on your shoes. It's Vaughn, right? I guess at Vaughn Moore seventeen. Don't Vaughn worry, Moore I'm going to get Ahmed on some sativa <laughs> and put it on social media. Although the indica seemed kind of fun. I do like Doritos and Cheetos and watch Well, you'll football. get to the, the Doritos and Cheetos plot too with the sativa eventually, <laughs> but you'll want to do something at first. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it. We did it. P Packers, Vikings, you wore purple today. Is it because you think the Vikings will win this game? I like the Vikings. Yeah, I want to see them win. I yeah. want to see them win. I know. I think I don't know that they will, but I want to see them. I expect the Vikings to win the football game. Mm. I do. Um, I'm rooting for the Packers. All now. the running backs are hurt, basically. Yeah, that, that, that's scary. I'm rooting for the Packers. You know why? Because it's all Aaron Rodgers. Mm. You're the that's greatest. True. Give me a gift on Christmas Eve's Eve. Go home. Yeah. On your way home. Yeah. Get some eggnog. Right. Okay, and no. Drink it. But I'll tell the wife to figure it out. And get okay, it or done. she can get it. Yeah, yes. well, whatever. Right. Either way, drink some eggnog. Try All right. it. Okay. All right, the next pod is the Friday Pick Podcast. Okay, there will be no Wednesday with the big fucker, none of that. Of course, that's Christmas. So the next Picks Podcast is coming up. That's the PFT PM Chris Sims Unbutton collaboration. Ahmed, happy holidays. Happy holidays. You're the man. Always enjoy doing it with you. Everybody out there, be safe. Enjoy the holidays. Have some fun. Drink your gin and tonica. Smoke your marijuana. <laughs> Peace out. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.